like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. What a wonderful world we live in, so full of wonderful musicians and spirits. And we've got another great singer-songwriter to introduce you to today for Song of the Soul. Her name is Sue Krantz, and though she's only put out four or maybe five recordings in the 25-plus years that she's been performing, I think it's been modesty mixed with her priority for many other good things to be done in this world that have limited that output. Originally a solo act, evolving to be part of a six-woman group, Constellations, and now most often sharing the stage with Ben Towsley, who you've heard from recently on Song of the Soul. With guitar, flute, voice, and lyrics to enchant, Sue's current passion is, most often, to be part of a circle of song. Sue Krantz joins us by phone today from Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Sue, I'm really excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Thanks, Mark. Glad to be here. Of course, I've already had your musical partner, Ben Towsley, on with me, and you've just lately had a CD that came out with him. You haven't got a vast array of CDs and tapes and all this out there. Why is that? <laughs> um, things just kind of happened organically of the four or five recordings that I've done, they've just fit into my life at the way they were supposed to. The first project was called Respond. It was a fundraising project for a local battered women's shelter in Somerville, Massachusetts, where I was living in 1986 and 1987. It just was a way to combine my interest in volunteer work at the shelter with being able to take my music and turn it into something more produced and larger than I could do just on my own. And then in 1990, a good friend of mine said, you know, your music really should be out there. And I said, well, yeah, I don't really have the money. And he said, well, would you like $10,000, no strings attached to make an album? And I said, okay. <laughs> so that was long past the hour. And then I did a, a production with some of my students and parents. They formed a band in, in 1994. And I don't know, just they just kind of come about. It's I've never wanted to try and, and make music the main way that I made my living. I think fear kept me from being more serious about being a professional. I came to the Boston area in 1985 thinking that I wanted to be a singer-songwriter, and I had a real hard time with self-promotion, just having, I think, the courage to 
take all of my resources and my will, and I just decided I wanted to have a thread of something more continuous running through my life, and that's how I ended up getting in the back door and being a teacher. So that's what you do for your daily bread? Yeah, I've been a, a classroom teacher since my first classroom was in 1991, and I was in schools for four years before that, being an assistant teacher, and I never went after being a teacher. In fact, my mother was a teacher. It was the last thing in the world that I would have thought that I would do because it was, I had this idea that being a teacher was kind of a, I don't know, a default, a, a wimp profession. <laughs> and my dad was a physicist, and I, you know, damn it, I was going to do something important, not be a teacher. And it just kind of happened. So let me start this off by the admission. I love your singing. <laughs> I absolutely Mark. love it. I Thank you. You know, in leading up to this interview, I've been listening to your music and just perfect. I, I can't imagine you not doing it. Oh, that is that's very sweet of you. But, you know, the thing about music is that it just fits into every aspect of life. And since there's no... I don't look toward it for making money. It gives me a freedom to use it and to be used by it and to make community and to be part of community. And it feels like it was the right choice, even if it was because I was a little bit of a chicken shit at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I'm glad that you had the nerve to come here today. How did the, the album that you did with Ben come along? Is that just he dragged you out of your shell? No, Ben and I... I've been making music together for 27 years. I've played on his albums, and we've done concerts together, and we were in a songwriting group together for 17 years. And about three years ago, we just decided to become a duo. This is before we actually got involved. I don't know, maybe it happened around the same time as our relationship. The weather changed, as they say. And we became had a personal commitment of a relationship as well as a musical partnership. And we just decided to do it. It was something that felt like we wanted to put it out there. People were asking for our music at concerts, and we didn't have anything. So we entered into that world recording. What about Constellations? Well, Constellations, that's funny you should say that, because tomorrow I'm going to rehearse with them because we're performing at a folk festival. That was out of a one-time thing where friends gathered for one gig, and we loved it so much that we wanted to keep going. We kind of have, even after I moved two and a half hours away. I still drive in for gigs on occasion because it's it's like a family. It's very special to make four or five part harmony as women and I get to play flute and we do things in different languages and pick material I would never pick on my own because everybody brings different things to the group. So that's still part of my life, a little more distant, but it's very important. So that's one of the exceptions you make to your solo act idea. Well, I stopped wanting to have a solo act quite a long time ago and stopped really performing about 14 years ago and just have been part of maybe more of the song circle way of making music, feeling part of a community rather than performing. It felt much better to be making music with people as opposed to inviting them to sing along with me up there on the stage. So is Pete Seeger one of your influences? I mean, the reason I ask is because he's kind of unusual in that he really has never considered himself a performer, but just a song leader. I I think I I have definitely a a piece of the performance in me, and I emulate people like Pete Seeger or Magpie or Emma's Revolution and people who, John McCutcheon, who really walk the walk, not just sing the song. 
you know, they're out there putting their music where their mouths are in their everyday life. And for me, it just runs through in different ways. I've tried to connect music with my values, but I would never call myself a political singer-songwriter. But I believe that music can be part of being a social change agent. That's what I, I see myself more as a change agent than as a, a rally leader. It's really interesting. Every person group that you just named there, they've all been my guests. <laughs> <laughs> Magpie, all of them, and more. You probably could have named Kim and Reggie Harris. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, they were next on my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> right. I've interviewed all of them. So it's only natural that, of course, I speak with you. Wow. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let's get started on your music. What are you going to share today? I'm going to do things somewhat in chronological order. I'd love to start off with a song called Jamie from my first recording, which is entitled Weaving Women. And it was a project that came out of collaboration that I did for a senior project of the same name when I was a senior at Wesleyan University. And it was through women's studies and combining poetry and music and dance and improvisation. The cassette ended up being a project to raise money for a battered women's shelter where I was working in Somerville. And Jamie is a song that I recorded with my two best friends from college. And it really embodies the sense of harmony, connection, friendship, and ultimately a sense of belonging for me. Well, the song is being performed by Sue Kranz. The song is Jamie, and it's from her first recording, Weaving Women. From I see smiling and it's plain to me and Jamie that your life has brought you places where your mind can make you happy and where your thoughts don't drive you crazy. Just flow on free and easy And I know Oh, I know Papa, I bought some licorice Because I know how much it pleases And I ran all the way from downtown And I only ate three pieces Still I love to hear your laughter Cause it comes from deep within you Child, stay a while, don't lose. 
that your life has brought you places where your mind can make you happy and where your thoughts don't drive you crazy. They just flow on free and easy and I know, oh I know. That performance is by Sue Krantz, who's with us here today for Song of the Soul. She's performing a song called Jamie, and it's from her 1987 cassette. I don't know if how many of you still have cassette players. <laughs> Weaving Women. Who is that song actually by, though, Sue? Oh, it's by Hedge Capers. I heard it performed years and years ago, and it, I was riveted, and I just knew I had to learn it and sing it. I don't suppose there's any danger of you porting this over and releasing it on CD? I had never thought of it, although I have one lone copy. So it's just part of, it's part of the archives at this point. So you've been writing songs for a long time. Actually, a long, long time. And I'm, I'm glad that you asked that because one of the things that I was thinking about in meditating on Music of the Soul before our interview was that my first song I ever wrote was when I was about nine so that's over 40 years ago. I had moved to a town in New Jersey outside of New York City, didn't know anybody. I was in, in second or third grade. And I would walk the seven-eighths of a mile home, pretty lonely, and I would just sing. I would just improvise and make a, It was like a, a sung journal. And the, the words would just go up into the air, you know, never to be repeated. And it kept me company. It was the way I think I... I was able to get through those first lonely years after moving to New Jersey. Did you have an early performing career? Were you, uh, you know, maybe you by sixth grade you were performing before the class? Ninth. (laughs) Ninth. I learned to play the flute. I started the flute when I was in fourth grade. I came from a musical family on my mother's side, but I remember being about seven or eight years old and habitually going down, putting on Tom Paxton, putting on Phil Oaks, putting on Joan Baez, and curling up under the piano next to probably a a four-foot-high brown speaker and just literally my body being next to the um, canvas of the speaker and just listening for hours at a time. And I think that I grew up not feeling like I had much of a voice in my family, and music became kind of like the spokes arena for me to feel like my voice could be heard. So I was drawn to performing pretty young. I started writing songs in earnest in high school. I remember reading the book Wind, Sand, and Stars by Saint-Exupéry of the Little Prince fame, and I wrote a song called Wind, Sand, and Stars. And So all the time it was things that were in my mind and my heart would just kind of come out. They weren't always good, and most of them have settled into obscurity and Probably I couldn't remember them to save my life right now, but they really were my my way of connecting to myself and others. It was a link between myself and others. I'm slightly stunned that you somehow bought into the belief, maybe, that something about your voice was not worth sharing. Where did that come from? That that just, I'm aghast and stunned. Well, we, we won't spend too much time there because I've been through enough therapy to know what it was about and to have moved through it. But, you know, in those days, things were very drawn when I was growing up along gender lines and gender roles. And let's just say I got I got the message and took me a long time to open to a deeper 
sense of what's true. Well, I'm glad you got there because I imagine <laughs> none of these recordings would be here if you hadn't done that. Well, maybe we could go to the next song because in addition to feeling connected through music, I think the other huge connection for me to life, kind of a doorway, is nature. When I look back on the words to the next song, The Muse of Jackson Hole, it's so many years ago, decades ago, and yet it says exactly what the belief that I'm living and acting out now it was like a harbinger. It was a, a foreshadowing of where I would find my real comfort and resting and power in mindfulness and in Buddhist philosophy. So I think if you listen to the words of the song, it represents the main themes of Buddhist philosophy of presence, of impermanence, and change. The Muse at Jackson Hole. i 
song by Sue Krantz, The Muse at Jackson Hole. The CD is Long Past the Hour. And Long Past the Hour, Sue, by the way, is that available? Can people get a hold of it? (laughs) (laughs) Not really. (laughs) If people wanted to write to me through my email, I'm happy for you to facilitate people writing to me and I can burn people a copy. I mean, I made 500 copies. I have some cassettes, though, if anybody wants one. So you can get the Muse on Jackson Hole on cassette or CD by contacting Sue Krantz. Come to NorthernSpiritRadio.org, and I'll have a link to her email. And I'm very happy to facilitate that. I really do think, Sue, it's a pity if you don't share more of this. That's a, that is a beautiful song. Well, and thank you. I did wonder about some of it as I was listening to it. You said it's Buddhist concepts. What is it you say in there? Gravity will hold me as I'm bracing for a fall. Through each step draws me nearer to the clearest place of all. That clearest place of all is, I mean, because you're you're afraid falling, right? Is that the silence? Is that the openness? Is that, you know, nirvana? What is that? Well, to me, no matter what was happening in my life, if I climbed a mountain, I've done a lot of hiking in my life, and I've gone to some high-altitude places and low-altitude places, but just climbing to a peak and having that vista was the perfect metaphor of climbing through all of the mental and psychological debris and confusion and doubt and suddenly everything was just as it was supposed to be and there was a sense of peace and comfort and clarity that I would get metaphorically and physically when I would hike. So that verse really talks about perspective and the little things that change from day to day but there's some things that don't change and that are that are deeper than that in the first verse about the sun there's a concept called the bodhisattva someone who vows to live their life in a way where the goal is to relieve the suffering of others and although I've always been in helping professions I have to say that there might have been some identity that was behind that you know, to be a giver was a way of, of having an identity, which isn't the deepest place of giving. And in these last 10 years, I like to say, when I grow up, I want to be a bodhisattva, so that the sense of giving comes from less of an ego place and more of a grounded energy comes in, energy goes out place. You know, I look back on the words and I'm kind of stunned that it was all there. I just didn't know it. it took me a long time to live it. 
Were you born as a baby Buddha, or did you get into Buddhism <laughs> by some other path? I'm a Jew-boo. I grew up in a very secular, culturally Jewish home and never really felt connected to that community. And it took a long time to give up my atheism, my devout atheism. I, in sixth grade, my friend and I had a staunch, you know, we, we held on to our atheistic beliefs and reported them to our teacher in sixth grade. But it, I think that I don't like to put labels on things, and it just there is a spirit there. I'm not sure what it is, but I try and let it run through me in, in whatever way it does. Well, it runs through your song so thoroughly. <laughs> Give us another one. Sure. Um, this next one, speaking of faith, is called Faith in the Air, and I wrote it after a near-death car accident with one of my best friends who sang earlier on the song, Jamie, and we were driving along in separate cars on Route 93 south toward Boston, and I wondered what the problem was up ahead. There seemed to be cars that were all stopped, and as I approached this overpass, I saw there was this big mud slick, and I jammed on my brakes, and the two of us did 360s in our cars so that it must have looked like egg beaters from above, and no metal touched metal. Nothing happened. It just was a miracle. I stalled out and was shaking and started my car and we slowly exited and went home and I wrote the song. When my world starts spinning round, my head held in my hands, throw my faith into the air, who knows where I land. And it is not for me to know when it's my time to go. If I'm here, it's for a reason. I'm a piece of But I 
from Long Past the Hour, Faith in the Air by Sue Krantz. Sue Krantz is my guest today for Song of the Soul, which is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org. And I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet. Come to the site to find almost eight years of my interviews with world change makers on my Spirit in Action programs and of deep spirit flowing through the Song of Soul guests I have on. You'll be able to listen to, download them. You'll find the stations where we're played. You can post comments, and we really love it when you do post comments on the site. It also helps other listeners know what interviews they maybe should listen to and check out. There's also a place on the site to make donations, so you can make donations to Northern Spirit Radio there. I also encourage you strongly to support your local community radio station, the college stations through which you hear this program. It's an invaluable portal on the world that you just do not get through mainstream media. You get alternatives that open hearts, minds, and spirits. And one of those spirits that we're dealing with is Sue Krantz. I can't give you her website since she prefers to remain in semi-obscurity. <laughs> but you can find a link to her via my website. So come to NordenSpiritRadio.org. You can find at least her email, and you can find places where you can get her recordings. We just listened to Faith in the Air. One of the lines, one of the favorite lines for me, and, and I don't know if it's everybody's favorite line, is when you say, if all the world's a body and I a single cell. And, of course, people have talked about Gaia and that kind of thing. But my deepest intellectual understanding is, and here's how I express it, and this has to do with the branch of physics called chaos and so on, is that the exact same relationship that is between me and each cell of my body is the relationship that exists between me and that which we generally would refer to as God. Again, I don't want to put that in a box, but I know the relationship. I think I now can feel what you're saying and what I was thinking and feeling at the time, which was it made me feel not so alone. It made me feel like connected to something larger than just my life and therefore a sense of responsibility to go out there and be in the world on another level. And that was right before I went into having my first classroom. I finished the album right before I, I was hired and went into a classroom. So in three days before school opened, it was a brand new school. There were just three teachers. We were in a church building, and three days before school started, somebody said, okay, here's an empty room. Do something with it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> And seven years later, I burnt out and went on a trip around the world, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I think that, that music and connection, it all just came together, I think, through that song. If you weren't planning on being a teacher, I mean, what were you planning on doing? Were you one of those people who went to college and was like an English major, or a history major, or a psych major? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was a psych major with a lot of music courses in the ethnomusicology department. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Basically, I just had no idea. I couldn't even envision, to be honest with you, my life past 25. I think everything that I've done has been on some level used to be fake it till you make it and just discovering all the amazing things that can happen. It's really been a, an internal process to trust in the universe, in myself, in those around me. And I don't know, it's just a whole other level now. 
It sounds to me, though, like you had this world healing agenda on your mind. Is this something like you're raised with, like the activism, or is that just part of your generation, or is it... Partly some of my generation, partly some of my parents, and I don't know, I just, as long as I, I can remember, I felt like I was called to leave the world in some level a better place, and I found it. Well, if you will make sure that it's more of these CDs and cassettes get out there in more hands, you'll do a better job of that. <laughs> well, I think, that, I think that the work with people, I mean, I remember when I made Respond, somehow because of that cassette, I got a call from somebody saying, would you come in and do music in Framingham Women's Prison? There's a special program called Art, the Creative Arts and Healing that, of course, was funded for a nanosecond to help women who were lifers who had been put away for murdering their husbands, most of them, if not all of them, battered women. And I found myself going, being searched and invited into a room with eight or nine women who were there trying to figure out how they got there and how to make their life better, knowing that they would never leave again. And I got to sing songs and then sit back and, and have the privilege of, of hearing the thoughts and feelings that came about as a result of listening to the particular songs. And then I got to leave, and they did not. And so many times in my life I found myself in situations with a flute or a guitar and kind of had to pinch myself and say, how did I get here? How did this happen? And that when I was really in my deepest self, there was no question. It was only later, you know, left to my own devices that I would start having doubts and questions. And so there's always been a place that I've known is the truest place just having arrived and being able to rest in it through a mindfulness meditation practice is really what brought me there, I think. Keep us centered and grounded with music. What's next? I think every flower, we were talking about my school experience, and this cassette, or it's a CD now, but it was a cassette called Cambridgeport School's Greatest Hits, 1991 through 1994, <laughs> and a, a group of five dads and myself formed a band called Parental Guidance, and we did fundraising events and played for school parties. And I would sing with my class every day. In fact, one of the class jobs was the song picker. A different job would pick the song, and we would sing it at our morning meeting. And we would do at least three or four songs a day. And I would sing them through transitions from one subject to another. And we would sing about difficult issues like losing a pet or a family member. And, and this song, Every Flower... I saw a poster in the local Cambridge library with a beautiful flower on it, and it said, The sun does not discriminate. It shines down on every flower. A garden full of seeds Buried in the ground Sleeping till the warmer days come round Landed with a prayer And faith that is true That someday Others seem to barely grow at all 
tend the soil and you pull the weeds Believe in what you do before too long Some CD for you to add to your collection. Cambridgeport's Greatest Hits. The song Every Flower by Sue Krantz here today for Song of the Soul. Cambridgeport School, is that where you did teach, where you do teach? Cambridgeport School still exists in Cambridge. I taught there from 1991 to 1997, and I had the keys to the building, and I spent probably 80% of my waking hours in that building. I'd never taught my own classroom before, and there was no curriculum. So it was basically every moment was about creating the community, creating the curriculum, learning, making mistakes, doubting, inspiration. I remember waking up at 3.30 in the morning thinking, my God, what am I going to do tomorrow? And an hour later, I'd be like, I know, and then I'd be, you know, preparing it until I left for school. You'd never be able to get away with some of the things I did, like teaching a hamster curriculum, (laughs) integrating curriculum around hamsters, science of, you know, 
that they're nocturnal and where do they come from and the fact that they kept escaping in the morning we'd have to go searching for them. I even wrote a song called Houdini Hamsters, which I decided not to share today, and making hamster dream houses and writing about it. And, you know, it was a very, very rich experience that was meaningful to the kids and I could get all of the curriculum areas, including math. You could never get away with that today. So I had a, a quite a year when I did travel. It was a huge part of my life that year and with my flute in my backpack and my knitting needles in there as well, I was able to travel through many countries and make connections that allowed me fairly quickly to go beneath the surface. I would just go to a town and say, where are the musicians, and sit in and make friends and be able to explore and feel connected. That was more, I call myself a traveler rather than a tourist in the world. Or then I would go to, to Nepal, and somehow the first day I was there, I ended up hiding on a roof from all of the people throwing paint-filled balloons on Holy Day. And they said, you either go out there and fight or you escape from it. And I went up on a roof, and I found myself with four or five of the Gandharba indigenous musicians that used to go around as town criers and and really have, have low, been, been lowered to one of the lowest castes. And I became friends with them, and we made music all day, and I helped them write liner notes to a cassette. And I don't know, just things would happen through music that I played gypsy, gypsy music on the street with people I couldn't even speak the same language, but yet I was playing my flute, and we were sharing food with each other. And I don't know, music just opened up every door in a way that, I'm so grateful for. So the song that I'd like to share with you, where was this going? It's called Enfrente de Todo, and I wrote it when I was living in El Salvador for eight weeks, and I was lucky enough to find this opportunity in a village that had been totally destroyed during the Civil War, and folks had gathered themselves up again in 92 after the accords were signed and reconstructed their lives literally. No lights, no running water, no electricity, and the song was pretty much a, a tribute to what people do when life gives them lemons. <laughs> you know, I was so impressed. So I don't know if you want me to translate the song. It's all in Spanish, but it was an inspiration one day when I was just feeling a little down and told myself to get it together with the inspiration of those around me. Are you writing this as, as Sue Kranz, the observer, or as the people there living it? I think a little both. I think it's basically saying, you know, in the face of everything that's been handed to me, I can see clearly in the darkness and I will survive. Enfrente de todo Enfrente de todo lo que me dio Puedo ver claramente Aunque la oscuridad Hasta el fin 
Face of It All by Sue Krantz, sharing her wonderful, wonderful song of the soul. Sue, I hope my listeners have clearly seen, as I have, that your singing, your voice, and the words to your song, all of this is just a gift of spirit that needs to be passed around to everyone. It's just so beautiful. And as you know, all good things come to an end, and so... I'd like you to give us one more song to finish off your song of the soul. How can we cap this off? Well, a, a good ending, I think, would be the song, Going to Take It With Me. And the line is, Going to Take It With Me When I Go. And I think it's a testament to how music has moved from being at a performance level and has moved closest to being part of a community. I think a lot of my life at the beginning of my adult life was feeling like I was a performer, but that I didn't belong. There was that theme that ran through my life. And I think the, the older and hopefully wiser that I've become and through the mindfulness meditation, 
I found that integration of the outside world and the inside world, my inside world, singing with people, making harmony with people, has become more satisfying than performing and has helped me find just a sense of, of peace and, and happiness. I love singing Gonna Take It With Me because it speaks to the magic and the power of what happens when people sing together. So, And I really want to thank you, Mark, for inviting me on your show. And I've listened to a bunch. I can't wait to go back through the eight years and listen to a whole bunch more. I'm just honored to have you here. I, of course, was very pleased to get to know Ben. And, of course, this is from your joint album, Take Heart. Yes, it is. And I love singing it with him. I love the way his harmonies blend with my vocals and invite others to sing along. A great gift to the world. Thank you so much for your music and joining me for Song of the Soul. Thank you so much, Mark. Take good care. We'll close with Sue Krantz's last song, but I want to let you know that we had just too much to talk about to fit into only 55 minutes. So please head to northernspiritradio.org to hear bonus excerpts from this visit with Sue, including one of her songs. Last song now for Sue Krantz, Gonna Take It With Me. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. Sitting in a circle Hardly know each other's names Stormy night in September Shelter from the rain Pass the song around the circle Amazing how it starts to grow Voices blending Harmony ascending Gonna take it with me when I go Gonna take it with me when I go Pass the spirit on To everyone I know No one is a stranger No such thing as danger Gonna take it with me when I go Kind of tune, it's a welcome. Slow, sweet, upbeat, doesn't have to rhyme. Revive the old songs, they just get better over time. I wonder where this feeling comes from. Must be from a place we seldom show. Song. Gonna take it with me when I go Gonna take it with me when I go Pass the spirit on to everyone I know No one is a stranger, no such thing as danger Gonna take it with me when I go Take us down to where our goodness flows Lift us when we're down It can travel the world round It's 
for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Let in the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul